Hello, and welcome to the conversation at airsafe.com, sponsored by Speed Break Publishing. I'm your host, Dr. Todd Curtis, the creator of airsafe.com, a reliable source of airline safety and security information since 1996. In this conversation, I'd like to share with you an on-air interview I had with CHQR Radio in Calgary, Alberta, on the 16th of January, 2008. This interview came in the wake of an event on the 10th of January, when an Air Canada A319 had a possible encounter with turbulence over northern Washington state. This event injured several passengers and crew members. The aircraft, which had been on a flight from Victoria, British Columbia to Toronto, was diverted to Calgary. This is an update to the original podcast about this event that was published on the day of the incident. The interview was on the CHQR show Calgary Today with host Mike Blanchard. The conversation centered on the possibility that wake turbulence from another aircraft may have caused the event. I provided a brief description of wake turbulence and its possible effects on an aircraft. I also discussed some alternative causes for the problems on the Air Canada flight. Here now is the interview. The news that's happening in Calgary. And how the news around the world affects Calgary. You're listening to Calgary Today with Mike Blanchard on AM 770 CHQR. News Talk Sports. Last week, we heard about an Air Canada jet on a flight between Victoria to Toronto that uh, was struck by what's believed to be uh, severe turbulence. Ten people were taken to hospital as a result of that. Uh, officials from the National Transportation Safety Board and Transport Canada investigating the uh, the cause uh, of that, what happened. Well, there's a report today that suggests that a uh, phenomenon known as wake turbulence may have uh, played a, a role in that. The, the, the wake, the turbulence caused by uh, another uh, aircraft. Well, Dr. Todd Curtis is here to talk about that, an aviation expert. You can check it out at airsafe.com. Dr. Curtis, thanks for chatting with us this afternoon. Oh, thanks, Mike, for having me. What is wake turbulence? Well, wake turbulence is a disruption of the air that's caused when an airplane goes through the air. Uh, to make a simplified metal picture of it. Imagine uh, eddies of air coming off the wingtips, which are like little tornadoes that are sort of horizontally trailing behind the aircraft. If you're directly behind the aircraft, and in some cases somewhat below the aircraft, this air disturbance can keep rotating as it slowly drifts down and slowly dissipates. And if you're unfortunate enough to be in a, an airplane in that wake turbulence, in that vortex that's generated, it could cause some problems with flight control. All right. Now, in essence, for the aircraft that was to enter this turbulent air, uh, does that uh, mean that the, 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 this aircraft is, is not getting the lift that it requires to, to keep it aloft? Temporarily, well, anyway. Well, it, there's a couple of complicating factors, uh, one of which is, and this was pointed out by the uh, safety officials in Canada today, uh, this is just one possible cause of the, of the upset that happened with the airplane. Mm -hmm. uh, the only thing that is known is that you had a rather radical set of maneuvers from the aircraft. It could, be, it could have been wake turbulence. It could have been what's called a mountain wave turbulence. It could have been some other kind of weather-induced turbulence. It could be pilot input. It could be a combination of all those things. But if we assume just for a moment that it's very turbulence, you may have quite a bit of lift across the aircraft, but the lift may not be equal. It may be disturbed over part of the aircraft. For example, it might be a little bit higher on one wing than the other. Okay. And suddenly you're tipping over on one side where you were straight and level before. Okay. Yeah, I don't want to give the impression that we're uh, trying to solve what happened to this particular Air Canada flight because uh, we're, we're certainly not. 
but it, I've heard of weight turbulence once before, and I believe it was a factor in a crash of an American Airlines flight uh, earlier this decade, 2000 or 2001, a flight that took off from New York. It had entered the, the turbulent path of another aircraft that had taken off just moments before this. And I well, think that investigators uh, were caught a little surprised by this. They were surprised for several reasons, one of which was the turbulence uh, following an aircraft on takeoff, which is not all that uncommon. But one of the things that happened back in the 2001 event with the American Airlines aircraft there were some maneuvers done by the pilots, and, of course, there's some dispute, depending on who you ask, whether it was the pilot input or the flight control system. Uh, the, the, what ended up happening was the vertical stabilizer, the tail broke off, and the aircraft was uncontrollable after that. So although there was weight turbulence in that case, it wasn't the only thing that led to that aircraft crashing. So in many cases, and perhaps like in this one, and again, we're just speculating here that it often, if it's wake turbulence, may not be enough of a, a cause on its own to be responsible for, for incidents like, well, this one or the other one that happened in 2000, 2001. That's correct. And keep in mind that this is a, was a relatively large aircraft with the Air Canada event last week. An A319, of course, is smaller than the 747. But typically, you see wake turbulence events happening when you have an equal or larger sized aircraft uh, in front of one that runs into the vortex. And of course, they're still trying to sort out exactly who was where that, that morning over uh, the northern part of the United States, which is where I believe the event took yeah, place. Yeah, just in Washington State there. All right, we'll see where this goes. Well, it, like I said, it's an interesting uh, phenomenon. I appreciate you taking the time out to explain how this works. Dr. Curtis, thanks for doing this. Well, thanks for having me. Dr. Todd Curtis, uh, an aviation expert. He's based out of Seattle, Washington, by the way, and you can check out uh, his website at airsafe.com. I hope you enjoyed that interview. I'll be back with some recommended resources after this brief message. If you're listening to this podcast, you probably know a lot about computers. If you have any kids in the house who use the Internet, you probably need to know a lot more. Trying to stay ahead of the technology can be difficult because the Internet and what your child does online are constantly evolving. A great tool that can make your life easier is my latest book, Parenting in the Internet. It's an easy to understand how-to manual for parents of online children. From links to free software to instructions for setting up your computer, this book will save you time and money and help keep your family safe online. Visit speedbreak.com today and find out more. Before we end this conversation, I'd like to tell you about a few online resources. For turbulence-related information, please visit turbulence.airsafe.org. If you want to provide feedback about this podcast, please visit feedback.airsafe.org. For other airline safety and security podcasts, visit podcast.airsafe.org. Members of the media can contact us at media.airsafe.org. For more information about airline safety, you can find us at airsafe.com. That's A-I-R-S-A-F-E dot com. Or type the words airline safety into your favorite search engine. We're probably on the first page results. This episode of The Conversation at Airsafe.com was published on January 28, 2008. Coincidentally, the 22nd anniversary of the fatal event involving the Space Shuttle Challenger. In commemoration of that event, we have two pieces of audio for you today. The first is an edited version of NASA's broadcast of the launch. The second is the address given later that day by President Ronald Reagan. T-minus 15 seconds. T minus ten, nine, eight, seven, six, 
We have main engine start. Four, three, two, one, and liftoff. Liftoff of the 25th Space Shuttle mission, and it has cleared the tower. Gentlemen, I'd planned to speak to you tonight to report on the State of the Union. But the events of earlier today have led me to change those plans. Today is a day for mourning and remembering. Nancy and I are pained to the core by the tragedy of the Shuttle Challenger. We know we share this pain with all of the people of our country. This is truly a national loss. Nineteen years ago, almost to the day, we lost three astronauts in a terrible accident on the ground. But we've never lost an astronaut in flight. We've never had a tragedy like this. And perhaps we've forgotten the courage it took for the crew of the shuttle. But they, the Challenger 7, were aware of the dangers and overcame them and did their jobs brilliantly. We mourn seven heroes. Michael Smith, Dick Scobie, Judith Resnick, Ronald McNair, Ellison Onizuka, Gregory Jarvis, and Krista Mikulov. We mourn their loss as a nation together. To the families of the seven, we cannot bear, as you do, the full impact of this tragedy. But we feel the loss, and we're thinking about you so very much. Your loved ones were daring and brave, and they had that special grace, that special spirit that says, give me a challenge and I'll meet it with joy. They had a hunger to explore the universe and discover its truths. They wished to serve, and they did. They served all of us. We've grown used to wonders in this century. It's hard to dazzle us. But for 25 years, the United States space program has been doing just that. We've grown used to the idea of space, and perhaps we forget that we've only just begun. We're still pioneers. They, the members of the Challenger crew, were pioneers. And I want to say something to the schoolchildren of America who were watching the live coverage of the shuttle's takeoff. I know it's hard to understand, but sometimes painful things like this happen. It's all part of the process of exploration and discovery. It's all part of taking a chance and expanding man's horizons. The future doesn't belong to the faint-hearted. It belongs to the brave. The Challenger crew was pulling us into the future, and we'll continue to follow them. I've always had great faith in and respect for our space program. 
And what happened today does nothing to diminish it. We don't hide our space program. We don't keep secrets and cover things up. We do it all up front and in public. That's the way freedom is, and we wouldn't change it for a minute. We'll continue our quest in space. There will be more shuttle flights and more shuttle crews, and yes, more volunteers, more civilians, more teachers in space. Nothing ends here. Our hopes and our journeys continue. I want to add that I wish I could talk to every man and woman who works for NASA or who worked on this mission and tell them your dedication and professionalism have moved and impressed us for decades, and we know of your anguish. We share it. There's a coincidence today. On this day, 390 years ago, the great explorer Sir Francis Drake died aboard ship off the coast of Panama. In his lifetime, the great frontiers were the oceans, and a historian later said he lived by the sea, died on it, and was buried in it. Well, today, we can say of the Challenger crew, their dedication was, like Drake's, complete. The crew of the Space Shuttle Challenger honored us for the manner in which they lived their lives. We will never forget them, nor the last time we saw them this morning as they prepared for their journey and waved goodbye and slipped the surly bonds of Earth to touch the face of God. Thank you. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.